You're listening to The Loop, a podcast by Mosaic Church. The goal? To know Jesus a little better, so we can live like Him a little more. And now, here's today's host, Wes Feldner. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining us today in the studio for this special podcast. Uh, My name is Wes. I'm the creative arts pastor here at Mosaic. As always, I'm joined by our lead pastor, Brandon Connor. What's up, everybody? (laughs) Hey, Brandon, we have somebody real special in the studio with us for this podcast. I am excited to have this dude with me because he's one of my musicians. Corey is a guitarist here at our church. Uh, But more than that, Corey, you are a doctor. And uh, we're going to dive into topic here in just a second, but I would love to give you an opportunity opportunity to tell everybody um, who you are, uh, your area of expertise, and where you practice. So go for it. Uh, thanks, Wes. Uh, yeah, so I am a, an oncologist. Uh, Corey Carter is my name. Um, y'all probably see me up on stage from time to time. That's, some, <laughs> that's, my, that's my major hobby in life, but I enjoy <laughs> doing it. Um, but uh, we've been coming to Mosaic Church uh, probably for about six and a half years or so, and then um, I've been practicing oncology probably for about that length of time uh, awesome. down here on the coast, and uh, work I have an office here in Ocean Springs and over in Pascagoula. Great. Corey, wow. thanks so much for being here with us today. Yeah. We're so happy to have you. Thanks, so, um, yes, we just wrapped up our painkillers series and this series has been i mean first of all it's been awesome but it's been awesome for our people and we've been getting lots of feedback lots of questions uh, because i really think that this idea of pain the topic of pain is very relevant because people no matter who they are from our church from the community anywhere are experiencing some level of pain, some kind of pain. And one of the questions that we've been getting a lot uh, that we've been hearing throughout this series is, is it ever okay to use meds to deal with pain? And so what we thought that we would do, instead of trying to answer that question over and over and over again, we said, let's let's sync up, get together in the studio. We'll bring a doctor in. Yeah. We've got some biblical perspective. And let's really talk about this topic because we feel like this could be a really helpful episode yeah. for people here at our church, people that follow us on social media and whatnot. So uh, Brandon, we do want to start with uh, the Bible. We want a biblical hmm. perspective to kind of help us lay the ground Groundwork. So I'm going to ask you this first question. Does the Bible have anything to say about this issue of using meds to help us with pain? Uh, it does, actually. Um, there are probably at least three passages that I would ask people to consider as they pray through this. Yeah. And I do want to say that, man. Like, You need to really pray through this. You don't need to just hear this and run in a particular direction. You need to be processing with God. You need to be processing with a pastor. You need to be processing with a doctor if you're dealing with pain. But as far as Scripture is concerned, there's a few passages that popped into my mind as I thought about it. Number one, uh, God looked at the world that he made in the book of Genesis. Mm. And when God looked at the world that he made, that included things like a marijuana plant. Yep. God looked at the world that he made and he declared that it was good. Mm. Now, we all know that we can take something good and we can use it in a way that's really, really bad. True. And so we're not, you know, up here at Mosaic encouraging (laughs) everybody to vote for the legalization of marijuana or anything like that. But what we are saying is that there were things that God put in the world and... 
we can see how those things might help someone in a really critical time of pain. Now, the question is, well, when? Yeah. Like, when, when, when can you use it? When can you not? Yeah. And so the second passage that I would take people to would be in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 31. I want to read to you specifically verse 4 and even verse 5. This is what the Bible says. It says, It's not for kings, Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer. Verse 5, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Verse 6, let beer be for those who are perishing. Mm. Wine for those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Mm. And so when you look at this passage in Proverbs and you're kind of going, okay, like there are people who sometimes use certain things to try to manage their pain. There's this idea coming out of Genesis that says, hey, God looked at the whole world that he made and he said, this is good. Then we go into Proverbs, and she's going, hey, like, there's people out there, Lemuel, who's a king, and they're using that stuff, and it's not good for them. Like kings Mm -hmm. who are making big decisions. They don't need to be using beer and wine and skewing their perspective. But there are other people who are in anguish and on their deathbeds, and it serves a good purpose in those cases. Seems to be what the author of Proverbs is teaching, then maybe the final place that I would go is into the New Testament where the Apostle Paul simply tells Timothy that he needs to take a little wine for his stomach. Mm. And so there's an issue where he's dealing with some kind of stomach trouble. And the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, here's something that you could try that might help you with this physical pain that you're dealing with. And so, again, I'm not making blanket statements, but I am saying that as we try to understand what would the Bible have to say about this issue, we should probably go back to those passages and at least pray through and think through what are the implications of these texts in my situation. Gotcha. I love that. Uh, So, Corey, I'm going to ask you a question um, because I think that that was a great setup and a great segue there. So uh, how would you answer that question in regard to physical pain? Because like, I'm thinking of myself, like I had a surgery a few years back, Mm. the doctor prescribed me some payments and it really helped me as I was recovering from that surgery. But what would you say to people about, um, you know, using meds to manage a physical pain, kind of like what that Paul and Timothy thing? Yeah. I, I think uh, the short answer is it's very complicated, mm. <laughs> it, 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 at least from a medical standpoint, not, not to mention, you know, an emotional and, and uh, certainly spiritual standpoint as well. Um, you know, the short answer to the question is, yes, there is an OK time to take pain medication. Mm-hmm. There is. I mean, certainly from a medical standpoint, but I think uh, even more into that in a spiritual standpoint as well. But it, it's a very complicated question um, that has caused a lot of problems in our world uh, yeah. really over the past couple of decades. Um, you know, uh, some people may not like to hear this, but Tylenol and ibuprofen and naproxen mm. are very good medications. Mm. And, uh, and they're non-narcotic pain medications. Mm. They work extremely well. Um, mm. If you look at some of the clinical trials that they've done 
in patients in the in the post-operative period where they've compared opioids with non-narcotic pain medications, they've been just as efficacious. Oh, wow. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean that that's always the right answer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, you know, I'm a cancer doctor, and what mm-hmm. I deal with is sometimes very different than what some of the other doctors in the community may be dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. If you look at the general accepted use of opioids uh, currently in our country among providers for cancer or terminal uh, cancer pain, sickle cell pain, Hmm. um, and terminal pain, everybody's pretty much in agreement that that's an appropriate time to use opioid therapy. Hmm. And so, you know, when I'm dealing with my patients with cancer um, that are really struggling and, and oftentimes dying, Mm-hmm. opioids can be an absolute blessing to those people who are struggling and in severe pain. And and research has shown that oftentimes some of these other non-narcotic pain medications may not do a great job at controlling serious cancer or terminal pain. Mm. Wow. But in our world today, that's oftentimes where opioids are not used, mm. you know, and, and that's where some of our problems develop. So, you know, and I can't tell you over the past several years how many people that I see that have had a, a minor dinner, dental procedure, they've had a tooth extracted, uh, they've had a very minor surgery, surgery, and they've been given a couple of weeks of opioids to mm. take after surgery. Mm. And that sounds all good and well on the surface, but what we know is that every week longer that somebody takes opioids, their risk of becoming chemically dependent on it mm. goes up substantially. Wow. And, wow. In, and in fact, for the average, if you t- look at the average patient or average patient population, if you give somebody opioids for whatever condition that they have for 30 days, around 90% are chemically dependent upon it. Yeah. After, after 30, 30 days. days. Yeah. Wow. And if you keep on continuing it, the number goes close to a hundred percent. Wow. That is such a, a helpful piece of information. Yeah. So your, it, 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 and the, the problem is, is that us as doctors, you know, over time, we, there was a period of time in the nineties and, and part of the two thousands as well, where opioids were marketed as the way to treat pain. Everybody yeah. needs to be free of pain. These medications are safe. They're non-addictive. Mm. And that became a growing trend throughout the entire medical community. In fact, it was almost looked down upon if you weren't using more aggressive measures to treat pain. Wow. Wow. Flash forward, you know, 10 to 20 years, and this is where we are right now. And so when it comes to to treating pain, like you said, Brandon, every, every person's different. And every person perceives pain differently. There are some people that I've, I've patients that I've had that have had you know, literally spots all over their body from metastatic cancer mm. that have reported very little pain and they can take Tylenol or ibuprofen and that's good enough for them. Wow. And then I have other patients that have one or two spots that just give them tremendous amounts of pain mm. and, and it's hard to find pa- enough pain medication to control their pain. Mm. So it's not a one size fits all, but yeah. I, th- I think for people out there wondering, you know, is it okay to take, take pain medication, it depends on the situation. Yeah. And, and it, you, you've really got to rely on finding a good medical doctor that has some experience with this. Cause that's, that's one of the issues I think we still run into in the community is that mm. 
there are still plenty of, of doctors out there, and I think things have gotten a lot better in the past few years with some of the restrictions that, that our, our medical board and licensing and DEA and all those types of things have put in place. Mm-hmm. But there's still lots of, of doctors out there treating non-cancerous pain with lots of opioid mm-hmm. therapy. Yeah. Wow. And um, hopefully most of the, the pill mills that were around are gone at this point, but there are still places around mm-hmm. where – you know, and I've heard, had patients describe this to me before where they pull up in a parking lot, somebody calls their number, they go in for two seconds, they pay them a hundred bucks, they get a prescription and they leave, you know, wow, those things were wow. going on. And mm. I can tell you, they're not good no. <laughs> as you can imagine. Wow. And so that, that, that's what makes things so difficult, um, managing pain nowadays. And, the, and I think the, the key thing is talking with your doctor finding out what the goals of the medication are, you know, and if it's the right situation to use it. Um, Mm. But I just want people to keep in mind that uh, narcotic pain medications are not always the answer Mm. to every problem with pain. Yeah. That's so helpful. I've got another follow-up question because we know in our day and age, people are using medication, not just to deal with physical pain, but people are also using these medications to deal with emotional pain like can you answer that question like what are your thoughts regarding the use of these same types of medication to deal with emotional pain not physical pain but emotional pain well from an emotional pain standpoint narcotics or at least opioid therapy is never appropriate gotcha never but that that does get into another area that i think is important uh, to address because, you know, I think some people have concerns sometimes about taking like SSRIs, like things like Prozac, Mm. Celexa, Mm -hmm. you know, they've got depression, they've got anxiety, bipolar disorder. Those conditions have to be treated, you know, and, and I don't want people to be fearful about treating those type of conditions, worrying that they're doing something wrong. There are conditions like, you know, major depression, um, uh, PTSD, mm. bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, mm. if those medications aren't treated appropriately, people can actually cause harm mm. and actually may, it may be dangerous for them and their family. Wow. You know, I mean, it so could true. be. And so, and, and a lot, and in most cases, those are due to chemical imbalances in the brain. Mm. You know, it's it's not just it, I think sometimes, uh, you know, back in the old day when people had depression, people thought it was some kind of moral failing. Yeah. You know, it, that's not what it is. You oh. know, it's 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 much more complicated than that. And sometimes medications to treat these conditions can be life saving and certainly life changing. Yeah. But there, you know, one of the things that I still think we encounter in this world and I see a lot of patients where. You know, they'll have reported depression or anxiety, and the only medications they're taking are things like Xanax mm. um, or Valium. That is not a good idea. Mm. Mm. Yeah, It's the same problem that we run into with opioids. You know, in my mind, medications like that should only be prescribed in an emergency situation. And if they're prescribed regularly, it should be done by a trained psychiatrist, That's somebody good. that really has a lot of knowledge and management of those conditions, wow. you know, that's great. You know, as I listened to him, I was thinking about, um, my wife, um, when we had our second child, she had postpartum depression mm. 
And we didn't know it at the time, but I mean, her hormones were probably all over the place. Chemicals were just everywhere. And, you know, she ended up going on um, some medicine just to help her through that season. Gotcha. And, you know, recently she was talking with a lady in our church who just had another baby and going through very similar things. My wife said, man, you, you probably need to talk to your doctor to see whether or not you are going through post postpartum depression. Right. You know, they may be able to give you something just to help you through this season. And her response was, man, you, you're going to have to talk to my husband about that because he he is not going to be an advocate. And I think a lot of times there probably is this stigma, even in the Christian community where it's like, Oh man, we we don't need that. You know, if it's just an emotional thing, you know, we can just rely on the Lord and we can pray through it and work through it. And what I hear you saying is no, man, there really are situations where people can be struggling and they need some help to get them through a pretty serious chemical imbalance um, or a a problem that they're dealing with that may not be a forever problem, but just a situational problem. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. And, you know, I mean, and people that want to look at it from a, from a Christian aspect, I mean, and I tell all my patients this too, when we're talking about any treatment we're doing, you know, I tell them, where do you think the treatment came from? You know, yeah, it's not like you can say some man developed in a lab somewhere. Yeah, but you know, I think God is behind anything that can help us. Yeah. And he's always in. He's always working for our good. Yeah, and He gives us these medications to use at the right time to help people. Yeah, you know, and and uh, certainly talking with God and going through prayer, that's absolutely the best thing to do. But you know. If you've got a certain condition, God may be providing a route for you to get better. You know, that may be what he's providing you Mm. to help get through it. And you may just have to be willing to accept that. It's it's okay to do it. And I know, like you said, it's a it's a stigma in our world. But I I think it's getting better. I think I think, Mm. you know, our world is starting to understand that everybody has their problems, you know, and and sometimes people need help with certain things. And and it's okay to do it in the appropriate way. Yeah. But, you know, like, like you were saying early in the talk, Brandon, I mean, any anything when we're talking about medications, they can be an absolute gift and a blessing. Yeah. But when not used the right way, they can be uh, a tool to enemy, yeah. you know, and they can cause extreme harm. Absolutely. Yeah. You bring up a great point, Brandon. So I, I guess I would ask it this way. So what would you as a pastor say to a Christian that feels guilty for using meds to manage their pain. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, he did a great I, job. Yeah, I, I was interested to see if you saying. would have anything. So I'll tell a little bit of yeah. my story. You know, in the last week of the painkiller series, I yeah. talked about a, the most painful season of my life yeah. and it was emotional pain. It yeah. was not physical pain. Um, marriage was not in a good place. I was like, man, my career is not in a good place. I don't know if I'm ever going to be a pastor again. I was just in a very depressed place. Now, it was situational. Um, I knew, man, when, when we work through all of this, we're going to be in a better place. And so I went to a doctor, and it was a Christian doctor. Yep. And I said to him, I said, listen, doc, I was like, I'm going through a hard time. I told him my whole story. I mean, all of it. Like, he, he knew everything that was going on in my life. But here's what I told him. I said, I want to remain, I'm in a a really difficult place and Mm -hmm. I want to remain sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. 
I do not want you to give me something that is going to turn me yeah. into a zombie yep. and make me just kind of walk around in this dazed and confused state sure. all the you time. You want to stay aware. I want to stay aware because mm-hmm. so much of what I'm dealing with is because of decisions that I've been making. Gotcha. I need to get back on the right track. I need to be in yeah. tune and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And so he gave me Lexapro. And so, you know, I, I think that probably falls into the safe category yeah. of medicines that you could probably take in an emotional struggle like that. Now, here's here's my word of warning to people. Yeah. They go down this road. You always consult with your physician. Correct. Because a little bit later, I felt like I was fine. And so I went off of it, cold turkey, <laughs> and that did not go real well. Probably not. And so <laughs> I didn't, not. but I didn't know that. Yeah. And so as a guy, I was like, I'm like, oh, I feel so much better. So I just did away with it, and it just got gotcha. ugly. And so, you know, my wife was like, you can't do that stuff. <laughs> no. She's a nurse, and she knew. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I haven't been on it for a few weeks. And yeah. she was like, no wonder. Like, you're, you know, all over the place. And <laughs> Back so, to the old brain. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, but it was. It was a season. Yeah. I knew I was going through a really difficult time. I knew yeah. it wasn't going to be that way forever. I spoke with a doctor. Yep. I ex- he was a Christian doctor. I, able, I was able to explain, man, I don't want to be a zombie. I want to remain sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And he was able to help me find the right medicine and the right dosage so that I could be sensitive and yeah. so that I could be, you know, very much aware, as you said. And then, you know, on the backside, the mistake I made was not consulting on how to get off of this. Yeah, that's great. So just talk it out yep. with a physician and let them know, like, if you have a spiritual concern about going on a med, explain to them what the concern is. Like, that's what I was trying yep. to do. I don't want to be a zombie. I want to be sensitive of the Holy Spirit. Yep. Like, talk that through with them and let them help you land in a good place. Absolutely. Corey, we're going to uh, change gears here for just a second. Um, I want to throw this question over to you. So the question is, what are some signs that people should be looking for that might be an early indicator uh, that the meds are becoming a problem? Or maybe a better way to ask it might be, how do you know when the meds are starting to hurt you rather than help you? It's a good question, Wes. Um, And it's one that uh, also is a difficult one to answer. Um, But there are some things to to look out for. Um, You know, and and addiction, unfortunately, is a very sneaky illness. and um, oftentimes people that are developing or going through addiction are completely blinded to mm. it. Yeah. Um, or if they're, if they're not blinded to it, if they realize it, they're most likely blinded to the way that they are causing harm either to themselves or other people. Mm. Um, and that's what makes that when this happens so difficult to, to recognize and to step in and get people help because they don't recognize it. Um, mm. And, you know, when it comes to addiction, you know, people, when they start on pain medication uh, or opioids or when they start on anxiety medications, you name it, they didn't start on those things thinking, you know, hey, I want to become an addict to opioids Mm. or I want to become an addict to Xanax and I want to go in a downward spiral and, and, you know, and, and cause a lot of problems. That's not what they get in. You know, that, that's not how things start. You yeah. know, very oftentimes they are seeing a medical provider for whatever illness or condition they have. They get started on a medication for a very legitimate reason. Um, but like I said, you know, the, these medications that can be so helpful at times can also cause so much harm too, uh, it, especially if the signs aren't recognized, mm. um, 
you know, very oftentimes people with addiction, they don't recognize their problem. Uh, but people around them do. Mm. Um, and, you know, family and, and close friends are oftentimes the ones first that notice something's different. Yeah. You know, mm. behave. And, and in general, with people that are, are developing active addiction, their behavior is going to change. It is wow. going to change. And it's not going to change for the better. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and that's something that friends and family of people that are, you know, they're concerned about a loved one. If they're seeing a change in their behavior significantly, that's something to get concerned about, especially if they know they're taking medications that have a high risk of addictive potential. Mm. Um, you know, things that, that, you know, very oftentimes people that are in active uh, addiction, they can become socially withdrawn they may stop going to church like they used to. Um, they may become agitated or easily angered. Mm -hmm. And then other things that, you know, we see as, as doctors that gets us concerned is, you know, when, uh, you know, patients are calling in for refill medications earlier and earlier every, you know, every time um, they're running out of their medication early. Um, you know, if, especially a red flag is if you see a, uh, see someone that's going to multiple doctors, mm. uh, to obtain that's a medication, <laughs> um, you know, that's, that's certainly a warning sign. That's uh, great. and you know, and patients aren't always forthcoming with us that these things are going on. Yeah, um, yeah. but you know, if, if you have some <clears throat> experience looking for the signs of this, you know, as our, as your doctor, we can we can help step in and intervene if there is a problem developing, but people have to be honest with us. Um, yeah. And lots of times that, that lack of honesty, you know, is a, is a key hallmark of addiction. Yeah. It is, mm. you know, lack of honesty is one of the main, main things that goes along with addiction. And so if people aren't honest about what's going on in their life, what's happening, doctors are going to miss it unless they are, unless they have a lot of knowledge about that area and know what to look for. Um, well, you think about the world we live in today with HIPAA. So you oh, know, yeah. a lot of times. The, don't ask, don't tell. The, well, and think about all the family members that he's saying yeah. are so close to the situation. They would be the one to see the problem. Right. But they're not in the meeting. They're not in the, right. you know, the checkup. And so here's the patient. The patient is going to lie. The yeah. patient's probably going to be misleading because they can justify the need for the meds because they, they feel like, man, I'm in so yeah. much pain. I got to have it. Mm -hmm. And then no one else who might be seeing some of the red flags is even a part of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's tough. Yeah. You know, and, and especially if somebody is been started on a medication for what was initially thought to be a legitimate condition a few years ago and it's just continued and continued mm -hmm. and you know and that's the thing that happens with many of these medications that ultimately may lead to eventual addiction is that not only are they they very much change the chemistry in the brain they produce symptoms of euphoria mm -hmm. um, which makes people want to take the medication again um you know, there, there's so many other aspects of it that, that can cause problems down the road, including tolerance, mm. you know, uh, you know, and that's one of the things we, you know, I see that even in my practice, if you've got somebody that's been dealing with cancer for a while and a medication that you start them on in the beginning worked really well for a few months, but it stops working, right? Mm. you that's know, and it's a little bit different when you're yeah. dealing with a terminal condition 
because it's okay in that point at that point to go up on the dosage of it because you know that patient may not have much time mm-hmm. left. Yeah. But if you're dealing with somebody that has chronic back pain and they've been on opioid therapy for five or 10 years, guess what? Whatever they started on five or 10 years ago, it's not going to work anymore. And wow. it just becomes a, a constant spiral down, spiral down. And eventually addictive behaviors may set in. It doesn't happen. And that's the thing, chemical dependence. Remember we were talking earlier that, you know, if if enough people take opioids per month, a large percentage of them are going to be chemically dependent on it. What that means is that if they stop taking the medication, they're going to go through withdrawals. Right. Mm. That's not necessarily a sign of addiction. That's just the the nature of the medication coming off the meds. Yeah. But, you know, when we start seeing some of these other behaviors develop, right. and, and that's the thing, you're not going to know as a provider necessarily if the patient's taking a medication for something other than pain. Right. You know, I mean, they're not going to be forthcoming with you about that. Right. Yeah. We do as doctors have some tools that we can use to help guide us along the way when we're managing patients with pain that can give us some insight. If they're used appropriately, we have a a way to monitor what medications people are receiving uh, through our state state uh, pharmacy board. Okay. Um, and we have ways of monitoring urine drug screens and things like that. And, you know, we, we hate to use those tools, um, you know, because it, it brings in a, a question of doubt with right. the patient. But sometimes they can be very helpful and, and telling us things that are going on, you know, if you're prescribing a, a patient a medication that you think they're taking appropriately and you check their, their drug screen and they're positive for cocaine, yeah, uh, then you got some questions to right. ask, yeah, you know, but it, that those are tools that we have available. Yeah. But for us as doctors, you have to have some knowledge about it and be looking for the right things. And that's the same thing with family. You know, you've got to be looking, what what is going on, you know, with my family member? Mm. Are they behaving normally yeah. or is something changing? Are they withdrawing from everybody? Are they kind of keeping to themselves, not, not talking with anyone, don't seem happy? Those are all warning signs that something wow. may be happening. Yeah. Wow. Corey, I want to talk specifically about CBD. You know, we've got all of these little CBD stores popping up all over the place. There's one on almost every corner, it seems. And we've had a lot of people ask specifically about CBD and using CBD to deal with pain. What are your thoughts on CBD? You you know, I don't have a lot of strong thoughts about it one way or another. Um, you know, if you look at, and this is just information from Harvard's website, you yeah. know, if you look at CBD, if it's done appropriately, is derived from the hemp plant. Mm-hmm. It's not derived from marijuana. Mm. So it shouldn't <clears throat> have any THC in it. Um, the problem with CBD is, is that one, there's not a lot of research available on it. Mm. Um, and two, it's a supplement. Mm. It is not a medication, at least not in this country. Um, and so it's not regulated by the FDA gotcha. in any way. Mm-hmm. You know, any any pill that you get from a pharmacy that a doctor wrote a prescription for, that is regulated by the FDA, and they are monitoring that to guarantee that whatever you prescribe is in that pill that gets into the patient, you know, gets to the patient. And so gotcha. you have some 
level of security knowing that, hey, I prescribed this blood pressure medication. That's what the patient is going to go and get. We know how that blood pressure medication works at this dosage. And so you have some confidence with it. Mm. With CBD, it's yeah. a supplement. And technically, it, it is legal. You know, mm -hmm. if you look at, I mean, you know, the, hence all the stores that are here. So yeah. it is legal, mm. but you have no way of verifying what's in it. And that yeah. that's the thing that, that I think raises some concern. And that's why as a doctor, I don't ever formally recommend somebody do this and go and get CBD. Gotcha. That's not to say that I don't have plenty of patients that have sought out this option on their own, yeah. you know. But I don't formally recommend it because it is a supplement. I don't necessarily have any guarantee of what's in the product. And we don't have any strong research available except with it. There's an exception with some seizure disorders where there is pretty good research that shows that CBD can be very effective for those. But people tr use it to treat all kinds of things like anxiety, insomnia, pain. And, you know, I have some patients come to me and say, yeah, yeah, I do this and it helps mm. me. Mm. And I say, well, that's, that's great. You know, I don't, I'm not there to judge them on that, yeah. you know, but at the same time, how, how I'm able to verify that that's really helping or not, I can't say. And yeah. so it, it's a difficult topic. I mean, I think there's other things like Kratom that you saw in the news recently. Right. I think there's some certainly some evidence that that can cause harm. Uh, yeah. Certainly, much more than CBD. And so, mm -hmm. I certainly would never advise anybody to consider kratom as an option. I don't think that's yeah. a safe option for anybody to take. Good. Um, Good to know. But CBD, if it's done appropriately and it just contains CBD you know, could potentially help people, but there's, I just tell people there's not a lot of research to suggest it does. Um, you know, it, and, and that, that goes along with medical marijuana too. You know, and I know we didn't necessarily have that on our it's list okay. to talk about, you know, but you know, medical marijuana is passed in the state. Um, and, it, and if you look at, <clears throat> there's a long list of conditions that it's approved to use, mm -hmm. Many of them, you know, as a doctor, I don't have very strong feelings about ever considering medical marijuana for any of those conditions. Right. Wow. It, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, and I, and I uh, you know, I'm not going to come down too hard on people that, that seek out that route. But, you know, as a, as a Christian uh, and a doctor, too, I don't think that's necessarily the best route for most people to take that yeah. are dealing with things. There may be some exceptions to that. Yeah. But for the average person... I don't think that's a good route to take, you know, either from a medical standpoint or from a from a Christian doctor, just being a Christian standpoint. Yeah. I think there there's a lot of potential for problems there, but it it, it is what it is. And, and I have people ask me about it all the time. And, you know, me, me, myself and and some of my close colleagues, we made a decision just not to have any involvement with it, you know, yeah. that. We're, we're not going to be involved with this process. And, you know, and, and that's not to say I don't have patients that smoke marijuana. I'm sure there's quite a few of them. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, and like I said, I'm not, I'm, as their doctor, I'm not there to judge them on what they're doing uh, unless it's causing harm to their body. Right. And I can yeah. clearly see it. But, you know, I try to stay out of people's personal business as much as I can. But, you know, uh, you know, if I had to pick between the two of what I would tell somebody as a Christian that I think would be reasonable to do, CBD yeah. would much be preferred to medical marijuana. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like you said, you can't, it, with it being a supplement, you don't know if there's any THC in it or not. 
And lots of times the stores that are selling it, they don't know what's in it either. And, and mm-hmm. that presents a problem. Yeah, it does. I mean, Popping stuff in your body and you're not even sure what it is. Wow. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Corey, this, this question is for you. And I guess Brandon, you can answer it as well. Maybe we'll hear from both of you or, or one of you can decide to take a crack at it. The question is, what would you say to people that are looking at pain management options but are not consulting a physician because the physician is not willing to prescribe pain medication. What would you say to that person? I'll jump in. There's a lot of stuff you can probably get on the internet. Yeah. And you know, my concern is, is that when we start jumping into taking care of ourselves with medicines and we're not consulting or collaborating with a physician, I think that a lot of times what can happen is you can start to numb the pain mm. when you really should be trying to figure out what's really causing, what's causing the pain. Me. That's great. Um, and so you go numb in the pain for you know months on end or maybe even years on end, and there may be something growing in your body that's life-threatening. Yeah. And so I would just say, man, like if you're dealing with pain and the doctor's saying, sorry, I'm not going to prescribe you anything for your pain, then you need to keep after some type of doctor who will look into this issue and help you pinpoint what the problem really is. Yeah. But if you start going down a path where you're just going to self-medicate, you're gonna, you might end up numbing a life-threatening problem that mm. will kill you. And that's so huge. be really, really careful and think about where that road leads. That, yeah. That's what I... I would say about it. Corey, do you have anything to add? Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Here we go. (laughs) I mean, you know, that's a tough thing that happens. Um, And I can't speak for all my medical colleagues out in the the world. Um, But you have to find somebody that you work with that's persistent, that has Mm -hmm. your best meaning at heart, and really wants to see you get better. Not somebody that's there just to come in and say, okay, I can't help you. Sorry, bye. You know, I mean, gotcha. and, and that happens in our world. Yeah. You know, I mean, doctors are human just like anybody else. And, um, you know, some are, are willing to go the extra mile and really figure out what's happening with the patient. And some aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I think there is, if you look at what's happened in our medical community over the past couple of, really past three or four years, there's been a lot of changes in our guidelines about how pain medication is utilized in patients and, and how much we can prescribe and the regulations behind it. And I think that has scared some providers. You know, if patients are seeing somebody, they've been seeing them for several years for a, a medical condition, and then all of a sudden their doctor says, I'm not going to prescribe you this medication anymore. Yeah. That happens. Wow. That happens. And, and it's a it's a gut reaction that's happened with, with some doctors right. in our state and around the country where there's all of a sudden been this mindset that, okay, all opioids are bad. We can't <laughs> prescribe them anymore. Right. But if you have somebody that's been on opioid therapy for five years and you come in and tell them you're not going to give them any more pain medication, guess what? That's not going to go very well. Yeah. It's going to go, and, and, and many times people are going to turn to sources that are much worse sure. than, than what they were getting, yeah. and that's where a lot of danger comes from. And, and if you look at many of the overdose deaths in our country, uh, that's sometimes the source of it. Mm. You know, So you have to be careful as a doctor about how you manage somebody's pain, but you also have to be thorough. You know, And, and I would tell people out there, 
withdrawing from the medical community because you've had one or two bad experiences is not a good idea. Mm. Yeah. Because not all doctors are the same. Not all humans are the same. You're going to run into some good ones. You're going to run into some bad ones. And you're going to run into some that are, like I said, willing to go the extra mile to figure out what's going on. And I can't tell you how many patients I've seen over the years that their cancer should have been diagnosed six, nine months ago. Wow. And they've been dealing with progressive pain and weight loss for months. Mm. And... They just decided, well, you know, I'm just going to, it's going to be all right. I'll just, you know, manage this myself at home. And, you know, and then finally something gets so severe that they decide to go in and see somebody. And, and guess what? Mm. If, if we'd have seen them six months ago, right. things would have been a whole lot different yeah. than they would have been by the time they showed up to us. Yeah. And so, you know, for, for people out there, don't be discouraged don't withdraw from the medical community if you got if you like i said if you've had a bad run-in with somebody and somebody didn't take you seriously then don't be discouraged go find somebody else that will that's right and you have to be persistent as a patient you know you've got to be persistent about your own health care now at the same time if if like we talked about earlier if you've got a problem developing with some of these medications and you go to a doctor and a doctor is not going to give you what you want, there may be a very good reason for that too. <laughs> yes. Right. You know, there may be an excellent reason yeah. That, yeah. that a doctor looks at your case and says, no, I don't think this is the best thing for yeah. you. I recommend something differently. Yep. You know, and so, you know, people that happens too. Yeah. It's good. I, here's a follow-up question, um, and this is good. Um, this, this episode has been awesome. Uh, here's one last question that I have. Uh, maybe we'll have time for another, but what would you say, Corey, to somebody who is starting to realize that they are abusing meds to deal with their pain? The people that are listening to this podcast or people that have been coming throughout this series, what would you say to those folks that, that are starting to maybe realize that they are abusing meds to deal or to manage their pain? Well, I, I think the, the main thing is you have to be honest with somebody. Mm. You know, you've got, you've got to, you know, addiction is one of those, those problems that it doesn't matter how strong a man or woman you think you are. You might be he-man, you know. You might be a, a massive bodybuilder and think you're the toughest guy in the world. But if you're dealing with addiction, that's not something you're going to be able to solve on your own. Yeah. And certainly, you know, God is the one that can fix this problem. Mm -hmm. But chances are he's going to use a lot of people in your path along the way to help you fix it, you know. And it's not a problem, you know, where you're just going to wake up one day and say, okay, well, I'm just not going to do this anymore. If if somebody's dealing with serious addiction, it doesn't work like that. But you've got to be willing to seek help and to tell somebody what's going on. If you're not honest with your either your doctor, your pastor, your loved ones, if you're not able to get honest about that problem, it's not going to change. Yeah. You know, and so you've got to take that first step of being honest with someone about it or the outcome's not going to be good. Yeah. You know, and and sometimes that's where, you know, think, you know, bad things happen and then something's done about it. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, sometimes people don't have to go through all those really bad times t- suffering with addiction if they're willing to step in and just tell somebody what's going on and get yeah. some help. 
the problem is that you know there's still a lot of stigma in the world about about mental health issues and addiction um and and that runs all through society you know i think for years people have looked at it as some form of moral failing or weakness you know and don't get me wrong it, it's a it's a tool it's something that i think this our spiritual enemy uses to create major havoc in people's lives yeah. but at the same time you know it is not a, a problem of moral failing people that are suffering from addiction generally don't want to feel that way mm. or be that way yeah and there is a way out if they seek help but they have to to take that first step you know admitting the problem brandon what would you <clears throat> add would you add anything to that well you know i, I guess the uh, you know, as I think about the painkiller series, I, I would just hope, number one, that maybe people could turn to Jesus, maybe even turn to that series and start thinking about, yeah. hey, there are healthy and unhealthy ways to deal with the pain in my life. Second, I would say, man, there are treatment facilities. Um, there are treatment facilities all around the country. Mm -hmm. There are people in the world who specialize in addiction counseling. And so right. when Corey talks about, man, you, you're not going to beat this alone. <laughs> like you, You're going to need God and you are going to need some other people in yep. your life to help you get through it. And yeah. so I would just echo that and say, man, if you're not sure what, what those resources are, you can always reach out to Mosaic Church and we can get you connected with some people who can walk with you long-term through the healing process so that you can break free from that addiction. But again, man, just, you know, don't, don't go, don't, don't be the person who finds yourself homeless and yeah. you stole from people and you're strung out and you got no, like you don't have to come to the end of your rope you know, in order to get help, like recognize those warning signs that Corey talked about early yeah, and be honest with yourself and then get honest with someone else good. before your whole life falls apart. And then you've got a lot more to rebuild, rebuild. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Man, this episode has been super helpful. Well, Thank and you. now you know why we had to do it. Cause there's no way I could have talked <laughs> no. about all this stuff in a weekend service, Absolutely but so not. helpful for people. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming Thank in. Thank you so Brandon. much, Corey, Corey, for being here. Yeah. And I kind of want to double tap mm -hmm. on what you said. You know, maybe somebody's watching this episode and they have really no context. They just, you know, found this episode or whatever. Yeah. I will say that our entire painkiller series is on mm -hmm. our website, in our message archives, and also on our YouTube channel. Uh, so if you haven't uh, watched all of those, listened to all of those, make sure you grab those because there's some great biblical insights on how to, to deal with and manage pain in a very healthy way. And we just walk through the book of John and just to see how Jesus following his example and see how he did when he was dealing with and managing the pain that he was experiencing there um, at the end of his life. So thank Thanks again, Corey, for joining yes, us yes. today in the studio. Brandon, Thanks, yes. Brandon, as always. It's been awesome. Uh, thank you so much for hanging with us for this special episode. Would love to, to invite you to a weekend service. Um, we're kicking off a brand new series this weekend, uh, which is called Epic Fail. It's going to be awesome. Don't forget, services are 7 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 1030. I got the times right. That's there important. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us again today. We hope you guys have an incredible week. We will see you next time you've been listening to the loop a podcast by mosaic church for more information visit us online at mosaicgc.com